the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Christ demonstrated his love for us in that he gave his life. And John said, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today we're continuing Pastor Steve's series about how to recognize the children of God. We have a lot to cover today, so let's open our Bibles to 1 John chapter 3 and get started. I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3, and I want to read to you an entire section, though we will only touch upon it This is just going to be an introduction to this passage of Scripture. But we start in verse 10, where John says, 1 John 3.10, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? because his deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods... And sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him. According to the New Testament and in particular these verses here in 1 John chapter 3, There are only two kinds of people, two kinds of people on the planet, those who are children of God and those who are children of Satan. That's how John divides the world. Now, most people in our day with some kind of religious orientation believe that everyone is a child of God. You'll often hear that from secular organizations. We're all children of God, but that's not what the apostle John taught. That's not what the word of God teaches. And specifically, John says just the opposite here in chapter 3 of his first letter. He very plainly states that not everyone is a child of God because he tells us that some people, meaning those who have not believed on Jesus Christ for salvation, are actually children of the devil. And the proof that they are Satan's children is that they have the same attitude as Satan when it comes to believers in Christ. They hate them. Now, being a child of Satan doesn't mean they're possessed by Satan. It doesn't mean they're demonic in the sense that demons 
possess them either. It simply means that they are unbelievers. They have the same values as Satan. And when it comes to God's people, they agree with Satan. They hate God's people. Now, in this passage of Scripture, John is continuing to give true believers in Christ a basis for their assurance. He's written his whole letter to give these troubled Christians certainty that they are really saved. That's 1 John 5.13. We've said it many times. And he has given them, based on that, a number of tests to help them determine if their lives evidence true conversion, evidence regeneration. Now, in these verses, we see he's focusing on one test. It is the test of love. Prior to this, John has already mentioned loving the brethren as a mark of true conversion. This is not the first time he has addressed this issue. Back in chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, he said this, The one who says he's in the light and yet hates his brother is in darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So John already mentioned the test of love back in chapter 2. But here John returns to this test, the test of love. And what he does, and this is very characteristic of John in, first, in his first letter, he comes back to something he's already mentioned and he expands He expands our understanding of this truth. In this case, he expands our understanding that love, loving the brethren, is a mark of someone who's been regenerated. And so in doing this, I want to give you the big picture where John is going in this section of Scripture. He emphasizes three important truths about loving the brethren. Truth number one. John first tells us that the children of the devil, as I said, meaning all non-Christians, not only don't love believers in Christ, but they actually hate them. They actually hate Christians. The unsaved are not neutral. They actually, according to John, hate believers. And the prime example and prototype of the world's satanic hatred of the brethren is Cain. That's who John uses as his prototype example. Remember Cain? He was Adam and Eve's first son who murdered his brother, the second son, Abel. We read that in chapter 3, verses 12 13. When John says this, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother, it really means he slaughtered him. He probably slit his throat. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. So what John does is he holds Cain up as the prototype, the prime example, the model of all non-Christians who John says are of the devil. They are children of the devil and they hate believers. They hate believers because believers live in a way that rebukes them. And Cain is the guy who John said, all you have to do is look at him and every one of Satan's children, whether they murder physically or not, are just like Cain. So John, first of all, tells us that children of the devil hate Christians. Secondly, John tells us, in contrast to Satan's children, God's children love the brethren. They're not neutral either. They love 
the brethren. But John takes it a step further. Not only does he tell us that God's people love God's people, but he describes what he means by love, what he means by genuine love. Because love, as you know, can be a cliche. People can say they love one another. They can uh, say, hey, I love you, and it means nothing. John tells us what the heart of love is, chapter 3, verses 16 and following. He said, we know love by this, that he, meaning Christ, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. John says that the heart of love is sacrifice. Christ demonstrated his love for us in that he gave his life. And John said, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, he does not mean in a redemptive sense, obviously. We can't save anybody by our death. He's not talking about that. He goes on to clarify in verse 17 what he is talking about, what he, what he does mean about laying down our lives. He says, but whoever has the world's goods, he's talking about material possessions, and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, How does the love of God abide in him? It's a rhetorical question. The love of God does not abide in him. Because if the love of God abided in that person, he couldn't possibly not help his brother or sister in Christ. And then John says in verse 18, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. The way John says that love is manifested is by our self-sacrificing actions in meeting the needs of Christians rather than just speaking about love. And we who are followers of Christ know that this is the way that love behaves because this is how Christ has demonstrated his love for us. Love is very tangible. Love gives Love doesn't say, I'll pray for you to have this need met when you can meet that need. Number three, John tells us a third important truth about loving the brethren, and it's this. In addition to telling us that the children of the devil hate God's children and that God's children love the brethren, John closes this section by telling us that loving God's children actually brings assurance to our hearts that we're really Christians. If John is giving this as a test for us, then it only makes sense that if you can see that, yes, I, I do love the brethren, I know I fail short in loving them like I should, and all of us fall short in that area. But if you see evidence, yes, I really do love God's people, and yes, I really have sacrificed for others, and yes, I have ministered to them because I have a special place in my heart for God's people, then John says, you can be assured you really do know Christ because no unbeliever feels that way. He says this in verse 19, and we will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him. He goes on to say, even when our hearts rise up and condemn us, we go back to this and we are assured we really have been regenerated because we do love the brethren, and that's a mark of regeneration. So that's the big picture, folks. That's what we're going to see as we go through these verses, that Satan's children hate God's children, that God's children love God's children, and that God's children have assurance of their salvation based on the fact that they do love God's children. That's the flow of the passage. I want to just briefly introduce 
this passage as we get into the first two verses. So for a few minutes, I want us to look at the first truth that we mentioned here that John makes in this section, which is the devil's children hate the children of God. He tells us in verse 10, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. John says, it is plain to see. It's not difficult. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. As you'll recall, in the verses leading up to this, John has been emphasizing that one of the ways that the children of God are obvious is that they practice righteousness. It's also obvious that the children of the devil do not practice righteousness. Rather, they practice lawlessness. Their life is about disobedience to God. But now here at the close of verse 10, John tells us that there is another way to spot who the children of the devil are. He said it is obvious who they are because not only don't they practice righteousness, but they don't practice a certain aspect of righteousness, and that is they don't love the brethren, meaning Christians. When John uses the word brother in verse 10, he doesn't mean a fellow human being. That, that is, in some places in Scripture, how uh, that, that word is conveyed, meaning a fellow human being, a brother, but not here. Not here, not in this context. Rather, what John is talking about are Christian brothers, Christian brothers. In other words, one of the ways we can spot a child of Satan, an unsaved person, is that they have absolutely no love for the followers of Christ. And there's a good reason for this. It's a good reason why Satan's children have no love for Christians. It's because they have never received the message of the gospel And that message, part of the message of the gospel includes loving believers, loving believers. Look at verse 11. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Those who know Jesus Christ know that they are to love their fellow Christians. It's not not something new to them. They, They know this. And they know this because loving the brethren is actually part of the gospel message, which they heard from the beginning when they were first converted. Let me explain. To those of us who know Jesus Christ, loving his brethren, loving God's children, is not a foreign concept that we have never heard before. You can't hear the gospel and not be exposed to this at some level. When we first heard the gospel and whatever place you were, whatever walk of life you were in, we all heard about love. We all heard about love. We heard about God's love for us, that there is a God in heaven who loves us. We heard about Christ's love for us demonstrated by his death on the cross. We heard that the Father loves us. We heard the Son loves us. And we also heard that we should love one another out of obedience to him. We heard that when you accept Christ, you come into his family, and there is a family of believers, and we love one another. You don't learn that years down the road. That's basic Christianity. You see, this command to love one another is not a new teaching. It's something that's part of the gospel message, and it is emphasized and stressed throughout the New Testament. Let me show you this. John chapter 13. This is that upper room discourse, John 13, verse 33. Jesus said, 
Little children, I'm with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, he means by this love for one another, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus made it very clear. I'm leaving. Your responsibility is to love one another as I've loved you. You love one another. And that's the primary mark of being a Christian. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul said the fruit of the Spirit, the first thing he mentions is what? Love. Fruit of the Spirit is love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, look at what Paul says. Notice this is not, once again, not new teaching. This is what we know from the beginning. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. Paul said, I don't need to teach you this. You know this already. Every Christian knows that he's to love other Christians. First Peter chapter one. I mean, we can always go deeper in our love, but it's not something that we say. I've never heard this before. First Peter chapter one, verse 22. First Peter one, verse 22. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Fervently, Peter says. And then look at second John verse six. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. This is love. We walk in his commandments. We love one another. Remember when a a man came up to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And he said, the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. We're we're to love. It's, It's not new. Now, why does John then mention love as a truth that believers have known since their conversion? Why bring that up here? If it's so obvious, why bring it up? Well, apparently, as best we can understand, the Gnostic false teachers, remember, these are the, these are the individuals who had infiltrated the churches of John's readers teaching error. Apparently, the Gnostic false teachers were saying that it wasn't necessary to love those who believe in Jesus. They apparently were saying that. And they apparently looked down upon what they considered to be simple Christians who only, and they only paid attention to those they considered to be elite Christians. Who were the elite Christians? People like themselves who claimed to have new revelation, new information from God. That's why they're called Gnostics. They had, they had knowledge. And if, the, if, if people in the churches did not possess their knowledge, they just looked down upon them and did not love them. And it may very well be that their supposed new revelation told them that love for others was unnecessary. And so what John is simply doing is calling his readers back to what they have known all along, that we are to love all believers in Christ. And that always, by the way, is a truth that you have to keep coming back to. If somebody 
tells you they have learned something new. There is something new that no one has ever seen before, some new teaching, some new religious thought. Be very, very careful. There is nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. We go back to the writings of the apostles. We go back to the word of God. And that's what John is doing. He said, I'm not giving you anything new. I'm calling you back to what you've known from the beginning, the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. And part of that faith tells you about love, God's love for you, your love for him, your love for his people. The reason you see that non-Christians, the children of the devil, have no interest in loving believers in Christ is because the word of God and the message of the gospel, get this, means absolutely nothing to them. Now, historically, it might mean something, and they might be mentally stimulated by it, but it means nothing in terms of impacting their lives. It means nothing in terms of them receiving the truth and living by it and coming under the authority of the Word of God. It just has no bearing upon non-Christians. They really don't care what the Bible says for their life and practice. But not only do Satan's children not love God's children, but according to what John goes on to teach, as we said earlier, they actually hate God's children. And as I said before, John presents Cain as the prototype of hatred for believers. Cain, he says, who was of the devil and proved it by murdering his brother. We'll see more about that. For right now, we have come to the Lord's Supper. Let me transition this way by saying that we do need to rejoice in Christ's love for us. When I taught a few weeks ago about Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper, I specifically said it is not a time of grief and mourning. It's not a funeral. This is a time to rejoice. It's a time that we rejoice because we remember, and that's what the Lord's Supper is. It's a time of remembrance that Christ died for our sins He loves us. He died for us. And this is a time to make sure that we're right with him. This is a time to make sure that we have dealt with any sin in our lives, that we have confessed sin, that we have repented of sin, but that's mixed in with a rejoicing that we have a Savior. So how do we we examine our hearts. Well, I would encourage you to ask the Lord very quietly in your own heart right now to ask him to reveal to you if you really do love other Christians, if you really do love them, how would you know if you loved Christians? Well, ask yourself, do I give sacrificially to help others? In what way? Do you give your money to help somebody? I'm not talking about putting your offering in the offering plate. I'm talking about you see somebody in need, you do something to help them. You're generous with them. Do you give of your time? Time is precious. Opportunities we have to minister to people, you give your time to them. Do you give them your attention? Or are you talking to them, but your mind's a thousand miles away? Do you give your service to help them? Anything you can do to minister to them? That's how you know if you love the brethren. Do you forgive Christians who hurt you? That's a demonstration that you love the brethren because you understand that you're a sinner too. You understand that if they've sinned against you, you've sinned many times more against God. So do you forgive other Christians? Do you pray 
for other Christians, especially when you hear, you hear that somebody is hurting. Is there compassion in your heart to pray for them? Are you thoughtful, sensitive, concerned about the feelings of others, or is it only about you? All of us can turn into very demanding people. We love others. We're thoughtful about them. We esteem others more important than ourselves. We're sensitive. We're concerned about their feelings. We serve them. So this is a good time for us to examine our hearts before the Lord. That is what 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us to do, to examine our hearts, make sure that all sin is confessed, But it's a time really of rejoicing and remembering that Christ died for our sins. It seems that there is much more to generosity than just writing checks to charitable organizations. To demonstrate love takes real effort sometimes, doesn't it? This is Verse by Verse, and our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We don't have much time left, so let me quickly remind you that Verse by Verse is listener-supported. You can find out more about us, as well as catch up on any previous lessons in this series at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Thanks for your prayers and gifts, which make these broadcasts possible. This is Jerry Peterson. Have you noticed that since you began trusting Christ, that many of your old friends and maybe even some family members don't like you as much as they Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.